right, hey everybody, welcome. Good to have you. Good to have newcomers with us as always and folks online. Welcome to you. Hope you can join us in person very soon. Uh, my voice isn't quite where it should be, so if you hear it faltering a little bit, don't worry, I'm not contagious. This was a sinus infection thing. Went to the doctor. He says, I'm fine. Uh, antibiotics, I'm doing all the home remedy vitamins and stuff, but most of all, I got my wife's delicious homemade Mexican chicken noodle soup. So I'm all good, covered. Um, have you noticed each year Christmas decorations just seem to get a little bit weirder and have nothing to do with Christmas, like all the inflatables on people's lawns, the Disney characters and the gnomes and the polar bears? What's that got to do with anything? And then the stuff we're hanging on our trees is just strange and inappropriate and kitschy kind of things. I pulled just a few offline to give you an idea of, for example, uh, Santa Claus frozen in carbonite, like, you know, Han Solo, uh, toilet plungers. Uh, now, wait a minute, stop on that one. See if you can figure that one out. Does anybody know? That is a mistletoe. Mm -hmm. I kind of like this next one too. Bethlehem Inn, no vacancy? That's good, okay, I'll give you that. But then I asked on Facebook, send me in your weird decorations, and these are a few that I got. Handcrafted pickle, of course. Glittery bacon. This is your stuff, guys. Deluxe cheeseburger. Batman topper. More Star Wars toys and chips. This one's a little disturbing. Uh, some sort of creepy head. This one might be creepier. A severed head of Tigger that said the body broke off long ago, but they keep hanging the head up for some reason. Anyway, so th those are your weird things. Now, on our tree, we will often hang a lot of penguins because my wife's nickname was Penguin, you know, Penny Penguin. Um, but when it comes to the toppers themselves, those are usually a little bit more traditional other than Batman. Uh, sometimes you get some weird stuff, dogs and cats and bears and birds and dinosaurs and King Kong and Yoda. But most people stick to the basics. How many here put the traditional star on top, the Bethlehem star? All right, yeah, that's, that's always the biggie. But there's some people who put like, you have a snowman? Anybody snowman? Or, or a snowflake? Or maybe some depiction of St. Nicholas? On our tree, we put up a bow. How many bow people here? Okay, but the second most popular, besides the star, seems to be what? Angels, right? How many have angels on your tree? All right, yeah. They're very, that might be the most popular one here because they're very much involved in the Christmas story. Everybody, though, when it comes to angels, seems to have their own idea of what an angel is like. It varies from culture to culture. Of course, some have a hard time believing in angels at all. Some who are, you know, are secularists or would say that, you know, unless you can see something or touch something, it's not real. So angels are, are not real. They're just characters. It's nothing new. Actually, the religious elite of Jesus' day, the Sadducees, didn't believe in angels or spirits or resurrections. And pretty much like the Christian liberals of our day, they don't believe in any of that stuff either. Then you have those who kind of worship at the altar of science and say, unless it's something that can be examined under a scope, that it, it doesn't count. Um, but in spite of that, most people still believe in angels. I, in America, I've seen surveys that still somewhere around 75% believe in angels. Now, it's not all biblical. There's a lot of wrong beliefs and a lot of occultic beliefs about angels. And I don't know what your religious background is. I'm just glad that you're here, and I hope you're open to exploring and seeking and asking questions because uh, I believe angels are real. 
and they're all around us. And I don't believe that because I necessarily met one, as far as I know. I believe it because the Bible tells me so. They're mentioned over 300 times in the Bible, and I believe the Bible to be God's word. So what does God's word say about it? And as we explore the role of angels, especially in the Christmas story, I think we're gonna appreciate better who they are, but more than that, God's supernatural workings in our lives and the person of Jesus himself. Colossians 1 says, for by him, Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and what? Invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So notice there are things that are visible and things that are invisible. So there is a physical realm and a spiritual realm. And the spiritual is just as real as the physical. It's just made of different substance. Uh, now, some people will scoff at that and say, you believe in invisible things? Well, of course I do. Don't you? How ridiculous. There are all kinds of invisible things around us right now. Electromagnetic waves, radiation waves, wireless signals are all around us, all kinds of um, ultraviolet rays, colors that we can't even perceive. I mean, right among us now, we all have different levels of what colors we can perceive. Doesn't mean they're not real if you can't perceive it. All kinds of frequencies that we can't pick up on. Animals do, animals can see things at night that we can't see. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Now, we've got all kinds of instruments now that we can see things that people didn't even know existed before. And you know, that's gonna keep getting better and better. We're gonna keep seeing things we never knew were even there until finally we get into those spiritual bodies and we'll have all the right instruments to see everything that was invisible to us. So let's use the Bible to pull back the veil on you know, the unseen so we can see it a little bit more. What are these angels, these spiritual creatures that God created? Well, they're not divine and they're not human. They're something different, they're unique. <clears throat> they're, they're creatures who do appear sometimes in bodily form, but it seems to be the exception. They're mostly unseen and here all the time. Now they're not like God, they're not unlimited, they're finite, they're not omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, they're limited like we are by time and space and knowledge and power. They are superior to us, and yet in the book of Revelation, an angel tells John, do not worship me, do not bow down to angels. They are not mediators between us and God. There's only one mediator, and that's Jesus Christ. In fact, Psalm 8, way back in the Old Testament says, yet you have made him, man, a little lower than the heavenly beings, that seems to be the angels, and crowned him, man, with glory and honor. <clears throat> so we will be immortal like they are. They, had no they have a beginning like we do, but like them, we, all, we will have no end, right? Because we're made to live forever. All humans will exist somewhere, just like all angels will exist somewhere, but only the righteous, only the holy angels and holy humans will enjoy a quality of eternal life called immortality that we'll share with God. Jesus said of God's people in Luke 20, for they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels. They're like them. They're sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. 
So will humans become angels? No, no, we're different. We'll become like angels, but you know, angels neither are born or die. They're not sexual creatures. They don't reproduce, which is why Jesus says in Matthew 22, for in the resurrection they, that means us, neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. So contrary to Clarence in my favorite movie of all time, It's a Wonderful Life, whenever a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. Great movie, bad theology. We do not turn into angels. So there's plenty of myths and misconceptions about angels. But we see the Bible teaches that they are created at least for four specific reasons. One is simply to be in the presence of God to worship him. But then they're also sent out to carry out his orders. And most specifically, to do what their name implies, to be messengers. Angel means messenger. And they carry God's message to humans. Then they're called to be servants. They're servants to us, <clears throat> to God's people. They serve believers. That's what Hebrews 1.14 says. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? That's us. Now, how do they do that? Doesn't really tell, but we see them serving Jesus at the beginning and at the end of his ministry. We see him being ministered to by angel in the wilderness and then temptation, Matthew 4.11. The devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Then the night before he's arrested, when, the, when he's in the Garden of Eden, the Mount of Olives, Luke 22 says there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And then Matthew 28, at the resurrection, an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. <clears throat> Let me take a drink here real quick, clear me up. Now, they serve us in unknown ways, unseen ways, behind the scenes. We, we don't get to see how they're caring for us or encouraging us or protecting us. We saw how they did it with Peter in the book of Acts, he's in prison, and an angel comes and taps him on the side, wakes him up, and the, the bonds fall off, and he leads him out of the jail. We see him with Paul, appearing to him on a ship in a storm, encouraging him, but we don't see how they do that with us. Sometimes they do take on human appearance, but we don't even know it. Because Hebrews 13.2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, to people, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. So you may have met an angel, you don't even know it. Now only a couple times are they named. There are only two angel names in the Bible. There's Michael, which means who is like God. And there's Gabriel, which means God is my strength. Michael is said to be an archangel, which means he has some sort of authority. Gabriel is more of uh, the messenger. So Michael goes out on missions of judgment. Gabriel goes out on missions of mercy. In fact, Gabriel is the angel that's mentioned in the Christmas story. Now I know there have been children that have pointed out that there is a third angel mentioned, Harold, you know, th that one that sings. I, I get that, but that's not actually in the Bible. There is no Harold the angel. But Gabriel, he figures in prominently into the story. We first see him in the Old Testament, Daniel, appears to Daniel, but now he's the one that appears first to Zechariah and then to Mary. 
So let's start with the first appearance in Luke chapter one. If you wanna open your Bibles, we're gonna be in Luke one for a while today. It's gonna appear to Mary's relative, Luke one, five through seven. In time, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. So nothing that extraordinary about this couple. It just says they were barren and old. In fact, it says they were very old. How old is very old? Well, it seems at least they were past the age of childbearing. So let's say in their 60s. 60s is very old, which is really a bummer for me because I turned 60 this week. But you know, they do say 60 is the new 30. But they also say if a man is doing at 60 what he could do at 30, he wasn't doing very much at 30. All I know is at 60, I would definitely not want to have a baby. I mean, having grandbabies for a couple hours is plenty enough for me. I'm worn out after that. But back then, having children could be seen, not having a child could be a curse. You were somehow disfavored by God if you were barren, which couldn't be further from the truth. Forget old Zach and Liz, because they were righteous people. They were faithful, obedient, devoted to the Lord. In fact, it goes on in verses eight and nine to say once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple, the temple of the Lord, and burn incense. This is a big deal. This is a once in a lifetime experience. This would be the pinnacle of your career, the highlight of your life, to be the one chosen out of all the thousands of priests, because only one gets chosen each year, to go into the most holy place and burn sweet-smelling incense to represent the prayers of the nation. And surely, Zechariah had waited year after year all his life for his turn. Maybe this will be the year. And disappointed year after, now he's very old, like time's running out. I may never get to be the one, but this is it. His time has come. And, and his hope is finally fulfilled. He's got the golden ticket. It's never gonna get any better than this, to be the one guy that gets to go into the holy of holies by yourself to light that incense and put it over the glowing coals and offer a prayer right there in the presence of God. And then to come out and bless the people. What an awesome, awesome moment this would be for him. What could top it? Well, he gets far more than he bargained for. Because after saying that prayer in that room by himself, he opens his eyes and there is an angel of the Lord standing right there And now the New Testament begins, verses 10 and 11. When the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside, you know, around the temple. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. Now, if this was an angel that we think of today, on top of the tree, Zechariah would have gone, Oh, because it would have been a beautiful woman with long flowing hair and robes glittery and sparkly like a fairy and then sashes 
right? That's the way we think of angels. That's not in the Bible at all. Where did we get that? Whenever angels appear in the Bible, they either appear as men in white robes or as mighty warriors. And your first reaction would not be, oh, it would be, ah! It was fear. It's lucky it didn't kill this old man. And that's why when angel, angels show up in the Bible, what's the first things they say? Two words. Fear not, right? So we go on, verse 13. It says, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John, which means God is gracious. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Wouldn't every father love to hear that? Your child is going to be great. Yeah, that's my boy. Great. And he is. He will be the last and greatest of the Old Testament prophets, the Old Covenant. In fact, Jesus will say there will be no one greater among women who have arisen than John. In fact, this guy could be called Harold because he will be the herald for the Messiah, the one sent to prepare the way. Now, the angel continues in verse 15. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. So that was a way of setting apart somebody unto the Lord, like in the Old Testament. Samuel and Samson, not take any wine. But what's different about John is that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit from conception, in the womb. Now, I don't know how much more personhood you could give to life in utero than in this passage where you have a God who creates this child, creates him in his image, who knows him, who has a plan set out for his life, and who indwells him in the womb. I mean, what more do you want to say that's a person? Now, Elizabeth could have said, you know what, I'm really old, and I don't do births, no thank you, and went and got an abortion. Now, would God have approved of that? Of course not. It's the taking of an innocent human life in his image. Jesus can and does forgive that sin. But Christians, of all people, ought to stand for the sacredness of life in the womb, just based on this passage alone. Zechariah and Elizabeth had given up any hope for having a child. Even though they kept praying, it seemed like a hopeless situation. What hopeless situation do you find yourself in? He is God, and nothing is impossible with God. The main point is that God rewards the righteous, eventually. You may be waiting on the answer to your prayer, your blessing, your reward, and you may not get it anytime soon. You may not even get it in this life, but God will come through for you. Until then, God wants to work in your life. He wants to carry out his plan. So learn from Zechariah and believe what God says and remain faithful and obedient, devoted, righteous, no matter what. Verses 16 and 17 goes on that he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God and he will go on before the Lord. And the spirit and power of Elijah who is one of the greatest Old Testament prophets, he'll turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now this is something that Isaiah had prophesied long ago 
that there would be this voice of one crying, prepare the way for the Lord. This is gonna be John. So this is not just the answer to this parent's prayer, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. God hasn't forgotten. God is faithful. The time has come. The Messiah is on the way. But Zechariah has doubts, he has questions. Like that was so long ago. The age of miracles and angels, that was hundreds of years ago. How can I be sure it's gonna happen? This is impossible. Verses 18 through 20, Zechariah asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. See, that's very politically correct, all right? He doesn't call her an old woman. Just well along in years. Now, again, he should have remembered the story of Abraham and Sarah. They got pregnant way older than they are. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Who do you think I am? I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So this is gonna be a supernatural sign and discipline from the Lord because of your doubt. You should know better. Look at me. You should have believed what I had to say. God has been silent for 400 years but he is now speaking. You've been talking, and now you're gonna be silent for the next nine months. Absolute silence. In fact, it's very possible he wasn't even able to hear, because later we find people making gestures to him so he could understand. Now, he doubted something he shouldn't have doubted. But what I wanna say to you is, if somebody comes to you with an angel story, uh, you should doubt. Be skeptical. Don't naively believe every person's angel story because there's a lot of them. And not every encounter is either real or of God, right? Uh, Don't believe every secondhand story because a lot of those stories will lead you into false teaching. It's not biblical. In fact, 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, and that's where we are. But when you see it in the Bible, that's when you know it's true. How strong is your faith? Do you believe what God says? When God makes a promise, do you believe that he will fulfill it? How can I be sure? Those things happened so long ago. If it's in Scripture, you can count on it. It's proven true. Verses 21 through 23. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Like, what happened to the old guy? Did he drop dead? Well, when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed as a priest, he returned home. So he he heads back to the hill country. This old guy certainly has a spring in his step because he knows what he's going home to. All right, so, you know, he, he stops on the way picks up a romantic card for the wife to explain what's happening because he can't tell her, walks in the door, hands her the card, puts on whatever Barry White mood music they had at the time, slaps on a little bit of Judean leather, makes the motion, let's go, because verses 24 and 25 says, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace 
among the people. Some of you may be pregnant right now, and we're very happy for you. Some of you, though, have gone just the opposite direction. You're very disappointed because you haven't been able to get pregnant. It just never happened for you. But you need to know that that is not any kind of disfavor or disgrace from God. It's not a curse. You have not been forgotten. You have not been overlooked. It just may not be a part of God's plan for your life. Or maybe it has to do with adoption. How wonderful would that be? Did you know South Point offers an adoption fund? We want to financially help you if you would like to adopt a child as a Christian couple. We think that's very important. Let us know if you would like to apply for that fund. You know, Elizabeth would have endured all kinds of years of condescending looks and whispers and stares of people who thought something was wrong with her because she couldn't reproduce. But that wasn't the case at all. She kept praying, she kept praying. But we know God answers prayer in one of three ways. He says yes, no, or wait. Sometimes it's wait. And who knows? Maybe this is your day. Maybe the waiting will be over for you very soon. We'd like to pray for you. Now you think once she gets pregnant, Elizabeth wouldn't go into seclusion. She would be out everywhere, showing everybody, rubbing it in their faces, look at that, yeah! But no, she's very content to kick back, to nest, praise God, thank God, get the baby clothes ready, get the blankets and the room all set. I mean, all of her prayers have been answered. What more could she want? I mean, even her husband has to keep his big mouth shut for the next nine months. Doesn't get any better than that, right? Okay. So then when her pregnant relative Mary shows up for a visit, verses 40 through 45, says she entered the house of Zechariah, greeted Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the what? The baby. Doesn't say the blob. You know, oh, that, that's just a blob of cells. Well, so are you. You're just a bigger blob, that's all. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So now the whole family's got the Holy Spirit. Dad got him, baby got him, mama got him. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. Now, some of you might have some Catholic upbringing flashbacks happen here. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. How many times did you say that over and over? And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the what? The baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. You know, until recently, pregnant women could only feel a baby's movements. But today with technology, we actually get to see baby's movements. We get to see them kick and move and jump. This is a baby who heard and leaped for joy. What more personhood do you want than that? When he came in proximity to cousin Jesus, he experienced joy, and that moved him. We're going to talk more about the angel's message to Mary next Sunday. But Elizabeth gave birth. All of her friends rejoiced. They named him John, like the angel told him. John began, or, or dad, Zachariah, began speaking, begins praising God, thanking God. Everybody hears about this. The report spreads. And in verse 66, the people wonder, what, 
what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And then Zechariah, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesies, and that his prophecy is written down in Luke 1. Read it for yourself. He talks about his son is gonna prepare the way for salvation. He's gonna get people ready for the Lord through repentance and baptism. The angel reminds him that God hears the prayers of the righteous. Going back to Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Doesn't mean he's unaware of the prayers of everybody. God hears everybody's prayers. I mean, he, he's listening in more intently than Apple, Google, and the government combined listening into all your conversations. He hears everything, but he only pays attention to, answers the prayers of the righteous. Christians, it's not because we're perfect, but because we are counted as righteous through faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit perfects our prayers as Jesus intercedes for us. In fact, 1 Peter 3.12 says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Well, guess what? You don't have to be a vile criminal to do evil. All you have to be is outside of Christ. Either you're in Christ, declared righteous, or you're not. To be righteous is to have your sins forgiven. And if you don't have that forgiveness, then you're not in a right relationship with God. And so, yes, you're one who does evil because you have refused his forgiveness and rejected his adoption into his family. And the Lord is far from such people because they're not his children. Like, you can listen to all the kids on the block outside playing, but you pay attention to your child's voice. You answer your child's requests. God rewards the righteous eventually. So again, what impossible situation are you in? With God, nothing is impossible. The answer to your prayer, your reward, your blessing is coming. It may not come today or tomorrow or even in this life, but don't you dare doubt God. Or one day you might have to say, well, shut my mouth for doubting God. He will make good, learn from Zechariah, and remain faithful, devoted, obedient, and righteous no matter what. If you're ready to be counted righteous, all it takes is a decision, a decision to put my trust in Jesus, to repent of my sin, to turn away from that evil, and to be baptized into a new life in Christ, and that will be the best decision you could ever make. And at the end of this message, during the music playing, and at the end of this service, there are going to be people up here who would love to help you with that decision or to answer your questions or to pray with you and for you. If you're online, you can text us. You can email us. You can do that here as well. We would love to get back with you as soon as possible on that. Rededicate your life to the Lord. Join the church, whatever your decision is. You might also need to make a decision about who you need to be an angel to because an angel is a messenger of good news, and you've got good news to share as a Christian. It's right there in the word evangelist. Eve, angel, ist. Who's your one? Who's the one person that you can go out and share the good news with? Who are the 10 that you can invite to join us for Christmas services? Again, people aren't just gonna pop in here. They're not gonna do a web search for a church. They don't even know that they need what, what we have, but they do. And if we don't tell them, who will?
So pick up bundles of those invite cards in the lobby. Hand them out. Send people to christmasanddownriver.com. Let's pray about this. Thank you, Father, for this story in Scripture. So much meaning, so much we can learn from the angels about praising you, about carrying out your orders, being your messengers, serving others. Lord, thank you for this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who difficult for them to believe and to wait, but they did. And Lord, we pray for babies to be born, Lord, that many more babies will come into this world that will know you, love you, and serve you, God. Right here in this church, that you will open wounds and that you will provide adoption to so many children that need a Christian home. Thank you for John, for sending him into the world to prepare the way, to be a bold messenger who lived and died for you no matter what. Thank you most of all for Jesus, who is superior to the angels, the superior messenger, who is the Son. Thank you for hearing our prayers because of Jesus. And now would you hear the prayers of those who are calling out to you for salvation? Or hear the prayers as, as we call out for our family and our friends who need you for that one, for those 10, however many, Lord. May they know the salvation that we've experienced because we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen.